the podcast was a little bit neglected. A little bit neglected, just a little bit, but we're here, we're back. We have a fantastic show today. Erin Bradley, who is from Pursuing Freedom, she is the founder of a fantastic company and she has a very inspiring story about her journey in real estate, business, entrepreneurship. You are going to love, love, love my chat with Erin Bradley, uh, which is coming in just a minute. And just wanted to say hello. How are you? How's if you're listening to this? It's almost summer, just starting summer, getting hot, getting sweaty, wherever you are. I'm in the Midwest. So, you know, temperatures are getting up there. Bugs are coming out. But I love the warm days, the long days, lots of sunshine in the summer, hanging out by the pool, hanging out with the kids, getting outside. Even though it's sweaty, it's great. I love it. When you live in a cold climate, it's a welcome change. So maybe you see it differently. Maybe you know the earth is melting. Who knows? Maybe it's a little too hot wherever you are. But I hope you're doing okay. Hope you're making things. Hope you're creating things. Hopefully, hopefully you're walking in hope and joy. Whatever you're, you're doing, even in hard things and painful things, there's still joy to be had. And I was thinking about that of late is just the the gift of making things, creating things, speaking things, writing things, the gift of life, uh, the gift of relationships and good food and sunrises and sunsets. Uh, It's easy to be cynical. It's easy to look around and say nothing's working. Everything's falling apart. That could all be true. But to miss the little gifts of grace around us, those little things, uh, and I know I can be the worst. I can live in my head. I can always want to push more and think, you know, we just had this or that, or this would go better, or this was bigger or faster, or if those people weren't so cranky, life would be easy, but there's gifts all around us. And, uh, and sometimes you need to be re- reminded of those things. And, uh, and one of the things that you'll hear about in this podcast, when I talk to Aaron is just things weren't going well for her. And she has a fantastic, inspiring story of literally being on her last dollar, but really believing in what she was building, what she was making and, uh, trying to do and, and kept on going. And, uh, and I think sometimes we have to, to remember that, that things aren't going to be easy. Uh, but there's this, this impulse in us to, to make something or write something or create something. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's a musician and kind of in this, difficult season of just kind of reflecting and figuring out what's next. And, um, but there's just this great joy in just making and, and not caring about the results, not caring about what's around the corner, but just being present, being in the moment, uh, worrying about today, not worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough problems on its own. And, but, but to be just here and, and available and open to whatever we need to make and the people that are in our lives and how we can be present to them all those little good gifts of grace. So hopefully your eyes are being opened to gifts of grace around you, um, paying attention to the things that matter most on our insides, our outsides as well. Um, the people around us, the things we're making. Yeah. We all, we all need our attention sometimes averted to, to the good things. Uh, so I wanted to, before we jump into my little convo with Aaron is just a couple things. One, I'm going to be tweaking the newsletter uh, soon. And uh, so if you're 
usually getting my seven things I'm paying attention to. Uh, that will stay the same, but I'm trying to get on a little more regular schedule. Uh, some of that was hijacked by family vacations and other things, but I'm trying to make it consistent. So it's going to be seven things at seven. Uh, so it'll be 7 p.m. Uh, hopefully on Mondays, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and trying to make that a consistent rhythm. I've still been trying to figure all that out, what that may look like. Um, but continually sharing seven things I'm paying attention to, and hopefully uh, they'll lead you down some curious paths, um, open up your world a little bit. Um, so seven things at seven. So hopefully on Mondays, seven o'clock p.m., you'll see that in your inbox. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. And also if you do enjoy it, share it with other people. Uh, word of mouth still works. And uh, yeah. And then one other thing, um, one of the things we did was we shifted into Substack, which is kind of the platform we have our podcast and my little blog, newsletter, writing thing, whatever it's called. Um, and one of the things I don't want to do is I don't want to do ads, I'm trying to get away from the ads and all that. I was doing that in my former platform, just didn't really like having ads all the time. But one way you can support the work is through buying a subscription. Uh, so if you have enjoyed this podcast, you have enjoyed uh, my writing or reflections newsletter, um, or if you just like me, hey, that's fine too. You don't have to like any of it actually, but if you just want to support the work, it's just an easy way. I'm working on just a, a paid subscription. Um, most of the, everything will still be free, but those that want to support the work, a few people have asked me about that, how they could do that. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be sharing that soon. And so you can be looking into that. Uh, it'll be a few bucks a month, like a coffee a month and help support, you know, the, the podcast and costs and, and just being able to do this work and share and do what I love to do. And so hopefully, uh, you'll think into that. Or if you want to share that with someone that might be interested in that, they can, uh, yeah, give a little love and, uh, it's very much appreciated. Uh, so, uh, and there'll be some, some fun stuff with that too. Um, some behind the scenes things and, um, some conversations and one-on-ones and zooms and other things that, that free members don't get, but, uh, yeah, try to make it worth your while and valuable as well. So, with all of that stuff and details, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Aaron Bradley from Pursuing Freedom. And so here is my chitty chat with Aaron. Well, Aaron, yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, falling on our faces, uh, burning out, struggling, all those good things. But before we get into the, the dark parts, let's let's talk about uh, what are you paying attention to? What are you excited about right now? Sure. Um, so a lot. I'm excited about a lot of things. Part of my DNA. But I live in a ski town in Colorado, and I'm excited about spring. Let's just start with that because it's, it's going to snow again tomorrow. So we'll be getting snow until yeah. probably June. But that's the story of my life. And um I I fell into the mortgage business in 2006, thinking that I wanted to be self-employed and thinking freedom and flexibility. And I learned really quickly how difficult the solopreneur journey is and how difficult sales can be. And no matter how passionate you are about the service you provide, ultimately you have to get found. And I just hated all the traditional antiquated sales strategies of like, cold calling. And, you know, if you need this, then go do this. And there was always this feeling of, I mean, out of sheer desperation, I, I ended up hiring coaches and, um, being told like what to do. And I 
was willing to do whatever it takes at this point. I'll tell you a funny story about that later, but I was willing to do whatever it takes out of desperation. And for years I did that, you know, I, I did what they told me to do and I, I got some traction and it was fine. I was paying my bills and getting by unlike the early years. And I just never really felt great. Like I didn't really, I wasn't really having a lot of fun. I was grateful all for the money, but I wasn't having a lot of fun. And I, I always felt like an imposter. Like they're telling me what to do. I'm doing it, but I still feel like something's missing. Something's out of alignment. And to go back to the desperation piece is just that I fell flat on my face so hard when I went hundred percent commission that within a year I was $35,000 in credit card debt. I had maxed all my credit cards. I had gotten a referral for a client and I was so excited about that, but I didn't have enough money for gas. So I had to ride my bike five miles across town in July in Denver. And at the time, because I was doing the imposter syndrome thing, I was wearing the female suit and I was trying, you know, sitting at the big mahogany desk, making the calls, doing the things and feeling like an alien. <laughs> so I thought to myself, how do I ride my bike in the summertime and look professional and not be sweaty and all the things. And so I got there early thinking like, I'm going to get there early and change my clothes, get settled, <laughs> let the sweat dry. And unfortunately, the client got there early as well. And he walked up to me and introduced himself to me as my credit card was being declined for a $2 <laughs> cup of coffee. And I was like, awesome, because that's the card I thought could cover the coffee. Mm. I I really didn't want to try another card and have another card be declined and have him know the real truth. So I just lied. And I was like, this is, I was like, that's so weird. It's my debit card. I guess I'm gonna have to call the bank. And then he bought my coffee and I felt like I was a rock bottom. And, you know, I kept getting this advice, just do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes, the, just kind of the hustle and grind mentality. And so, you know, I did. And, and so that was going on for years. And like I said, I mean, I got to the place where I could pay my bills, which was nice. Um, but ultimately it was around 2011, someone gave me the book, The Go-Giver. And it's a great book. If, if anyone listening has not read The Go-Giver, it doesn't matter. Talking about, talking about the go-getter, the book. The go-giver? Yeah. Go-giver. Yes. Go-giver book. Yeah. So um, I read this book where it basically says that the goal needs to be to give more in value than you hope to receive in payment. And it was a paradigm shift for me because all the sales training I had been given to date was around how to serve myself. So I'm stressed. I'm worried. I need money. Go do this so I can get this. The go-giver is like, forget about what you need for a minute and go give some value, give more value than you hope to receive in payment. So I developed a strategy that allowed me to start to double my business year after year. And within a few years, I was working 24-7. I was burning out. I was pregnant with my second child. I was miserable, but the money was really good. And so for a long time, I, I sucked it up and I convinced myself I was fine and 
and I can just survive my success. And and then I got to know other top producers and you know top performers in the real estate industry, mortgage world. And behind closed doors, they all admitted the same thing. Like everything looks good on the outside and they're earning lots of money and they're top producer and they're getting all the awards, but they're really miserable. Like working until 12, one o'clock in the morning, always tethered to their phones, overconnected, overcommitted, burning out, exhausted, and convincing ourselves we have to be fine with this. We have to be grateful because this is what success needs to look like. And it was miserable. So I ended up almost quitting the business and luckily I did not, but I eventually hired some help. And and over time, I started to scale and build a team. And in that journey, I started training others to do the same. So initially, I realized I wasn't alone when I was broke and, and in fear and insecure. I knew that there were others that felt the same way. That's just part of being human. And when the business was consuming me and I was working 24-7, I found out there were other top producers that also were not at, you know, not at peace, not not at ease and feeling really stressed out, a different kind of stress. So I started teaching others how to scale their businesses. And eventually that led to me publishing a book in 2016 called Pursuing Freedom, which just outlines a strategy to be yourself, increase your referrals and have more fun growing your business. And then it led to 2018, I started a podcast where I started interviewing top performing people in the real estate industry. And the byproduct of that, which I'm sure you can relate to, is it, it was fascinating because I didn't know what I was expecting to get from that, but it was so fun because the sheer diversity of individuals that can find success and more importantly, happiness. So not success at the expense of your happiness and not happiness and freedom, time freedom at the expense of money, but both. And like, can you have unlimited abundance and growing income without trading your time, your energy, your enthusiasm. And so it became a passion of mine to help my own team members within the mortgage business. And I started, you know, speaking and training and coaching at real estate conferences, things like that. And eventually, um, I mean, over the years, reinvesting our, our active income into passive income, um, moving our family to a ski town from Denver retiring my husband early, and then eventually retiring myself at 43 years old last fall in 2022 um, so that I could make this passion of mine my primary focus and just investing and teaching and speaking and helping as many people as possible to build a life you don't need a vacation from. Because I believe that you can have both. You can have unlimited success, which we basically, when we say success, most people think money, right? But if you ask somebody how they define success, that's not typically the sole definition of what success means to them. Success is a feeling. And a lot of times when people are feeling stuck and in fear, and especially now in, in the economy and the real estate market, things can be really hard for a lot of people and they're feeling really stuck. And, you know, when I see that, I think to myself, when you start, when you feel stuck and you think to yourself, like I'm feeling low and I'm feeling low energy, low light, low motivation, but once I have business and I have deals, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be feeling better. I'll feel safe and content and at ease. And so ultimately what we're all after is a feeling, right? And when you're working 24-7, burning out, dropping balls, overwhelmed, never present with your loved ones, and missing out on life, you're not feeling great either. So I just always ask people like, how are you feeling today? And are you willing to strip away the beliefs you picked up along the way? in order to redesign the future that you imagined when you started, because it's always available. There's always an ability to pivot, to redesign, pull the weeds out of the garden and plant new flowers. 
and create a landscape that feels good to you. So I'm really interested in this, in this idea of helping people acknowledge when the fear and the limiting beliefs and the excuses are holding them back from taking big leaps and then helping them to not only rewrite that narrative and be willing to take action towards the dreams that they have within their heart, get out of their heads, but ultimately to be willing to, there's a word I have like unbecoming, to unbecome. Can we unbecome stressed and rushed and overcommitted and overconnected in order to find the feeling that we're seeking, which is ultimately freedom, ease, peace, safe, happy, fun, enthusiastic. Like this is one short life we have to live. So it should be awesome. And it doesn't, it shouldn't just be fine. And I'm sucking it up and I'm surviving at the bottom and I'm surviving at the top. So like, how can we redesign and redefine the way we want to live and be willing to then organize a business that powers that vision of life and that epic life. So um, over the years, I just have been playing with the game of life, experimenting, taking big chances, taking the kids on a six month RV road trip during COVID and homeschooling and doing things that you just could never do. And, you know, I can't, I could never, I wish I could, but, and then doing it and realizing nothing falls apart. The more you chase joy, the more money shows up, the more doors open, miracles happen every day. And this is fascinating for me. So if I can help more people, get out of their heads, into their hearts, and then redesign a business that powers the epic life. And it's like, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. How many people wouldn't want that? Mm -hmm. Like, let's do it, you know? Yeah. Well, no, and I think it's, uh, you you talk about falling on your face to kind of come to this realization, you know, um, sadly, a lot of people have to go be the ones to kind of figure out like, maybe this is a story or a narrative that I've been handed that it doesn't work. And you know, obviously you had to kind of go through that to, to experience, you know, the pain, the, the struggle, the, Hey, I've, I've got a little success, but I'm miserable. You know, is this it? Is this, you know, do I just have to keep grinding this, you know, treadmill the forever and ever and ever. Um, so like in that story kind of, you know, you were handed this, you know, here's how you do sales. Here's how you get clients. Here's how you sell mortgages. Here's how you, you know, make you sell houses or whatever you're doing. Um, when, when, when was like a moment? I mean, obviously there was a, you know, a physicality to it. There was like a, a literal, like, I don't have money. I'm stressed. I'm <laughs> miserable. Um, but what was kind of the, the, the impetus to, to start exploring, like, maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's uh, another way to do this. I mean, was there, um, I mean, you mentioned the book, you mentioned some other things, but I mean, was there like a, like a moment with your family talking with them? Like what, what else was kind of involved around that whole, that whole narrative? Well, when I come back to the comment I made about what was really interesting about the podcast and the, the sheer diversity of individuals that find success and happiness, that's what we're after, right? Financial success and the feeling of happiness and freedom and joy. What I found was this unapolog- unapologetic authenticity. So not trying to be like, not trying to fit in, not trying to fit the mold. And I don't fit the mold. I do not fit the mold of your stereotypical sales guy in a mortgage company, but I was, you know, wearing the female suit and sitting at the big mahogany desk and making the calls. And I just kept thinking to myself, I am good at this. I I enjoy helping my clients. I love educating people. This is fun for me, but there's something disconnected here. And it's like, we have our, our self, our soul, our, our unique personality, the things that light you up, the things that stress you out, like who are you as a person, Ryan? And then you have what you do for a living. And so when you're learning what to do for a living, they give you a playbook. 
And sometimes it's like two different personas. Like here's me, the person who likes to go and dance and live music and ski and travel and adventure and camp and do all these fun things. But now I have to go put on my work hat and make some calls and do the things to get some money to fix my insecurity or fill this void within me of fear. And so all along the way, the training was the same, right? You have to be top of mind. You have to be, you got to do this. You have to do that. You got to be top of mind. And so all the marketing was around, it was all the same. I mean, you've seen it. You probably get like 10 postcards in your, in your mailbox every day that's just sold, just (laughs) listed, you know, like home improvement tips. Don't forget to turn back the clocks. Here's the pumpkin pie recipe. And I, it just was <laughs> dreadful for me. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not cold calling. I'm not doing that either. So um, I thought to myself, okay, I heard a saying one time and it resonated with me. It's when you step back from the single brushstroke, you can see the entire painting. And I realized that our clients in any industry and the, the work they do with us, the transaction that we have together and the way that you earn money by serving a client is a brushstroke in the painting of their lives. But life is happening all the time. And I realized that if I want to be top of mind, I want to be a resource above and beyond what I get paid to do. And what that meant was that I decided to develop a referral directory of trusted local service providers. So if I did your mortgage and then we close, instead of me sending you home improvement tips and turn back the clock stuff, I would call my clients and my friends and family and get referrals from you for any local service providers that you know, like, and trust that are in your Rolodex that I should know because I am always being asked for referrals for everything from health and wellness to financial services to contractors, you name it. And so I would call you, Ryan, and you'd be like, oh yeah, my brother has a handyman business and you know, one of my best friends owns a hair salon or whatever. And then I would call those business owners and say, hey, you know, I'm in the mortgage business. We have a mutual friend or a mutual client. And he says, you're amazing. And I would love to connect with you and learn more about your business and see how I can support you. But along those lines, where a lot of people miss the boat is that they fill up this referral directory and then they get frustrated because they feel like it's a one-way train. There's a lack of reciprocity. Like I'm sending all these referrals to all these business owners. I'm not getting anything in return. And my challenge there is, well, how much time are you spending getting to know the people that you're referring business to? Because our job title is not our essence. It's not who we are at our core. So when I meet with these other business owners, I want to know more. I want to peel back the layers of the onion because I want to be of value to every person I meet above and beyond what I get paid to do. In other words, once I developed this strategy, I never talked about mortgages again, unless you had a question about it. I never said, you know, if you need a mortgage person, I'm your person. I didn't need to put a tagline on the end of every authentic conversation that made it more about me than about you. So I really wanted to understand you. I wanted to know how I could be a value to you. Whether you're a client, a friend, a new person I just met, it doesn't really matter what I do for a living. It's not about me. So ultimately, I just started getting to know these people. Why did they get into this line of work? How long have they been doing it? You know, where does their business come from? What's their biggest challenge? What are their goals? And how can I be a value to this person and, in, and I ended up developing a way of promoting them back to my community. So then my monthly mailer, instead of being home improvement tips, was let me introduce you to this landscaper that I just love because it's April and we're going into spring or it's wedding season and this is a wedding planner or a florist or a DJ, you know, anything really. And I had so much fun with it because there's no end in sight. I can always find more people to promote and support and promote their businesses back to my community. And in doing so, train my community to think of me when they need anything. So all of a sudden, my clients are asking me for window cleaners and 
and hairdressers and carpet cleaners and dentists because they just relocated because they think of me as somebody who has resources. And of course, when they hear the word mortgage, they think of a person that they like, hopefully it's me. (laughs) (laughs) They think of the human being that cares about them. They don't think of me as this awesome salesperson. And it really works. It always works. Every, I mean, I, my business has dried up many times, whether it was the loss of a family member, a baby being born, you let, you know, life happens. And that's part of the deal. If you're in any industry for a long time, you're going to have some highs and some lows. Every time there's been lows, we go back to this process and it works 100% of the time. And it's way more fun because I'm not talking about me. And the biggest bottleneck isn't your ability to add value to people's lives. It's what's going on in your head. It's your energy, your enthusiasm, your motivation. And usually when those are low, when your light is low or extinguished, it's because you're stuck in your head in fear and worry and wondering what people will think of me, not want to feel salesy, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just became really passionate about this because I it was really obvious to me and getting to know all these business owners, right? The dentist, the hairdresser, the handyman, you name it. I realized that all these people that are passionate about their craft are not necessarily natural born salespeople. So I started teaching this process to them. Like, hey, I just did your home inspection and this might seem kind of odd, but if you ever need anything above and beyond a home inspection, I have a ton of resources and here's a piece of paper with all my favorite people. Call me if I can ever be a resource to you. And they started building their business by referral by going above and beyond and and doing the same process. And so it just became like a snowball that just rolled down the hill and got faster and bigger. And it was so fun. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in is like, how can I help people get out of this feeling of imposter syndrome, comparisonitis, social media makes it really hard. Everything looks sunshine and rainbows on social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you the, you know, the real that you see is take 27. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. That's with not the, Yeah, with lighting, you know. Yeah, if it's if it's uh, my reel, it's take twenty seven yeah. and there are twenty six ones before it end with an ex- expletive. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think I nailed it. And then I'm like, ah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you have a family, you know, it's always the perfect, you know, photo. But yeah, you didn't see the nineteen takes before that were brothers punching sister and you know, screaming exactly. and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah. Uh no, there's a I, I think there's a you know, there's a common thread, I think, as you share your story a little bit is, you know, as I've kind of been doing this for a while, at least podcasting is interviewing all these very creative people and writing books and doing, you know, different things. And you realize like with authors too, like like they all have a different strategy. They all have a different way into the industry, the way they write their books, the way they market their books. And I, and I started to kind of pick up on that too, was there isn't one way to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are people, I mean, you've heard it. It's, you have to have an email list. I mean, that's a non-negotiable, right? It's like, if you don't have an email list, you're sunk. And then I talked to an author who's selling millions of books, don't have an email list. Mm-hmm. You have to be on social media. I can tell you 50 authors right now that don't do anything on social media and you'd be astounded how many books they sell. Right. So, and others that use it and use it really well or whatever. Um, but it kind of just, after a while, you kind of go like, wait a minute, everybody's different. Everybody has different talents and gifts and experiences and networks and people and relationships. And you realize, yeah, what these narratives have been handed and these courses we've been handed, Hey, do exactly this and this will work. Um, but I think what you're touching on is the threat of you're always going to win when you make it about other people. Um, when you don't feel like you have to be the salesman or you don't have to be out in front where it's actually a genuine interest in the other person and what they do and what they offer to the world, what they bring is so much better. And it's amazing. Isn't it amazing how that comes back to you? And that's kind of what I hear you saying, you know, it's, 
I I was losing all the sales salesman stuff, saleswoman stuff, and I was actually getting more sales. Like, wait, wait, wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to work. Like, I'm supposed to be like, hey, buy my, get my mortgage. You know, I I can help you. But it was more about, hey, here's these other people. Here's these other services. Here's these other businesses. Um, and I think that that brings a lot of fear or takes a lot of fear away from people that feel like the only way to do this, whatever I'm making, whatever I'm building, is to you know, every time you see them, every time you put something on social media, it has to be about my business and about what I'm making, what I'm doing, you know, buy my thing, you know, not about, Hey, check out this other person. They're doing great work. You should, you should see that. And it's, it's amazing how that comes back around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so learning the hard way, realizing I'm not made to wear, you know, um, the, the realtor suit, sit behind the big desk. Maybe there's a different way of doing this. There's a different way of marketing. There's a different way of doing business. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of going through this, this tough time. You're, you know, finally figuring it out, but then also kind of burning out at the same time. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you've, you've talked about, uh, you know, women in business a little bit as far as, you know, your woman as people right here from your voice, but, um, the challenges of that, obviously there's, there's a unique challenge. Like this is how you know, women are to be, this is how men are to be starting things as a business owner, entrepreneur, talk us to just some of the challenges of that. Like as people are kind of talk, listening right now, there's always these kind of things that nobody really wants to get into. Um, but it really is this, um, you know, entrepreneurship can be kind of sexy. We don't, but we don't really think about the fallout. We don't really think about our families. We don't think about, you know, like you said, you know, working till 1am is, is only sustainable for so long. Um, talk a little bit as you were kind of getting into your own thing, like, like what was some of the things maybe you weren't considering as you were kind of engaging in building your own thing? Well, I will say, I, I actually don't think this is necessarily male, female. I think it's universal. I, I've been in rooms with highly successful, financially successful men and women, grown men in tears, admitting that. Mm -hmm. Their relationships are crumbling. Their health is crumbling. The money's great. Everything looks good. And it's fine. We're just going to suck it up because once we get through this busy season, then we're going to enjoy life again. And inevitably, that narrative leads to the, the slowdown of the business. You're, you're expecting it to slow down so you can give yourself permission to live. And when it slows down, about 0% actually feel relaxed and at ease. The panic sets in. Hmm. And then that feeds the fear that this is not sustainable and I can't hire help and I can't do it differently. So I just have to, now I got to put my nose to the grindstone and go find some business. And and here becomes the roller coaster of ups and downs and ups and downs. And what I realized was all these years, I mean, we're talking from 2006 to 2016, I just kept making excuses and nothing felt right. I mean, I was grateful. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I hired friends of mine and family members. I mean, so I, my team was a fan, was my, some of my best friends. So I had a lot of love for my business and a lot of love for my, you know, my clients, my referral partners, the community that I was serving. Um, but, but I, I was just running a breakneck pace. I was just doing far too much. And I made a lot of excuses for why it was fine. And that's the way it just had to be. And, and that's, that's just BS, frankly. Coming back to what I said earlier is that we we pick up beliefs when we're younger and I, I kind of equate it to a piece of technology that over time, certain parts of the, this piece of technology or equipment or hardware needs to be replaced. It needs to be updated. It becomes outdated. And I believe that human beings are like that, where we have beliefs and habits and thoughts 
that became hardwired into us at that version of us that didn't know what we were capable of. And I would wager that many, many people listening to this podcast, I assume they're probably growth oriented, which is why they're listening to your show, that if they are honest with themselves, they've already exceeded their own expectations going back to their 20-year-old self. In some capacity, you've exceeded your own expectations, which is proof that what you believed to be true at one point in your life turned out to be limited by what you knew through the experience you had had up to that point. So when you cross those new horizons and new thresholds and you start to expand, which we're all wired to expand, we start to realize that we're still carrying around this outdated hardware. And we have to be willing to slow down and evaluate just because I used to like it. Do I still like it? Just because I'm good at it. Does that mean I enjoy it? Does that mean I'm the only person that can do this job? And we start to have to reevaluate the way we're operating our business to power the life vision we have when we started. Because most people, by the time they get successful in their business and financial, their life force has started to become compressed. Their energy, their enthusiasm, the the zest for life or the adventures or the present moments with their loved ones, those start to become suffocated. And that's when it starts to feel painful. And so this is the time to say, okay, I've earned the right to design my future in spite of my past. And I've seen where I've learned and I see where I've made mistakes and I see where I've grown and where I've had successes and I can celebrate how far I've come. And I can also decide and I always tell people that when you think to yourself, you know, you you might look at somebody and think, man, it must be nice. Like three worst words in the English language must be nice. <laughs> and it's like, you're looking at somebody who maybe they're on chapter 10 and you're on chapter two. And you think to yourself, I wish I could, but, you know, the only difference between you and the person that you admire that's achieved anything you desire is their decision to do it. And you have no idea what transpired between their chapter one and chapter 10. You have no idea that they were riding bikes to client meetings and having credit cards declined or experiencing trauma or fear. Everyone has fear. There's nobody that you're looking up to that has figured it all out. It's just a matter of building this muscle around experiencing fear, recognizing it for what it is and making decisions to act anyway. So anyone who's achieved anything in life has made a decision at some point to do it. And then they try and they fail and they fall on their face and they get up and they keep going. And eventually they get to chapter 10. So my advice to those people is if you're looking at somebody on chapter 10 and you're on chapter two, just learn from them, seek their advice, hang around them. And you might get to their chapter 10 by chapter four. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it comes down to this one thing. This is like the fundamental core principle is that our issue is not that we don't know what to do. We can be told what to do. The disconnect between me and the action is my feeling. So if I'm not in the mood, if I'm feeling low energy, low motivation, it's typically because there's something that's pushing on the dimmer switch of the light within me. So we all have a light within us. The light is on when you're laughing. It's when you're on vacation, when you're having a good time, when you're excited. That's something that it, it, you're ignited. Your flame is ignited. It can also be on when you feel really deeply emotional and connected to something. It could be something sad and it could be something happy. But when your light is on is when you're fully engaged and you're, you're, you know, you're on fire. And most people are walking around with the dimmer on, like on low and sometimes with the light extinguished. And we become really masterful, especially whether we're desperate or we're burned out. We've mastered the ability to put on the game face and give from an empty well. 
And so many people are coming home at night and they're just exhausted and they're they're depleted and they collapse on the couch and they have nothing left to give to the people they say they're doing it for if they have a family that they're coming home to. And ultimately, the issue isn't about what to do or why I don't feel in the mood to do it. The issue is what's going on with the light within me. And do I have the tools? And there are tools available to help me get access to the control switch so that when I know I'm feeling low, I don't try to fix this void within me by action and by doing and more to-dos and more busyness and more checking and more email and more this. In fact, it's like forcing the pause. And when you practice the pause and you get clear on how do I feel right now, and then if I don't feel great, then how am I going to go ignite the flames of everybody around me? So what do I need to do to learn how to turn my lights on? I got to turn my lights on first, put on my own oxygen mask. Not assume that happiness is some destination that I'm going to earn by doing more and getting more. Hmm. It's like, how can I just lighten up a little bit? Like, when did life get so serious? Hmm. So back in 2016, I just started playing with it. You know, we I bought a condo in the mountains and I was like, we really wanted to live there. We thought we would move there when the kids graduated high school, but the oldest was in kindergarten. And I said to my husband, you know, we don't even know if we'll be alive. You don't know what the future holds. So if you've got an idea, why not now? And so we decided to come up for the summer and feel it out. And the next thing you know, we moved here full time. And I was sure it was going to ruin my business, which is an hour and a half away. And so, you know, I had a lot of fear and I spent a lot, logged a lot of hours going back and forth. But ultimately, we ended up opening an office here and then having two offices and our business became 50-50 mountains and city. And, you know, all these little experiments, like maybe I'll hire somebody because I don't like doing this anymore. I'm, I'm drained by this now. I used to like it, but I don't anymore. Well, I can't hire somebody because my clients, they want me. Well, at this point, I'm just going to try it out. So I try it out and the business grows more. Okay, well, COVID hits. Well, we don't like being stuck in this house. Let's go on a road trip. Well, my business is probably going to fall apart. So I better prepare for the worst. And it just keeps growing. It's amazing what happens when you follow the light and when you focus on the light and you pay attention to it within you so that when you do engage with your ideal clients or your loved ones or your friends, how are you showing up? Are you showing up like with the dim light or the extinguished light, just putting on the game face and just being there physically, but mentally and emotionally a million miles away? Or are you igniting the flames of everybody around you? Because when you do that, you create a wildfire. There's no limit. There's no limit to the number of doors that'll open. Miracles will happen. You're meeting people every year that are showing up at just the right time. So yeah, it's not male, female. It really isn't. It's just more about this, like this energy management piece. Mm -hmm. And then the willingness to say, you know what? I don't like this. I don't feel good. I'm gonna, I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a decision, in spite of my fear. And if I fail, I fail. And if I do, I'll get up again and try something different. But mo there's a lot of people. I was going to say most, but there's a lot of people saying stuck, playing small, living within the confines of what they believe to be possible, which is only limited by the experience they've had to date. It's very hard to see beyond, but. I see it with my coaching clients all the time and I've seen it with my own life and miracles just keep happening. And it just gets more and more fun when you play the game of life this way. So Eric, so how did you become so, how would I say self-aware in the sense that um, I think what our, our human default, let me frame it this way. Our human default mode is always, if something's wrong, I got to externally fix it. I got to throw money at it. I got to you know change the scenery. I got to, and sometimes that can help. Sometimes it doesn't, I got to read a book. I got to whatever. 
it seems like you you noticed it was this was like an inside job <laughs> that yes that that what I'm gonna if I'm gonna get to where I, I think I need to be or if I'm actually gonna enjoy the work that I'm doing and what I'm building, it's gotta start from within, not external. It's not like just rearranging the furniture. Right. Um what what in your life? I mean, was it early childhood? Was it family? Was it friends? Was it faith community? Was it whatever? Like, how did you kind of come to these conclusions that, yeah, this was definitely more of a kind of an inside job as far as, you know, what you just talked about, you know, the turning the lights on and being the kind of person that you want to be rather than just kind of going through the motions or, um, was there anything that, that, that kind of helped you kind of realize that it was a lot less the external, more the internal. I mean, well, first once, yeah, specifically I had five of my best friends die before the age of 22. Mm. And all different types of things and traumatic and awful and whatever, sudden. And 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 so from a very early age, I felt like when you navigate a lot of trauma, you have two choices. You can either accept that the that the, the life sucks and the world is against you, or you can recognize the impermanence and be intentional about the life you want to live. And we hear it all the time, you know, some there's a sudden death of a loved one and Everybody likes to talk about life is short and you only live once and we've got to, you know, make sure to appreciate each and every day. And then you just get carried away on the roller coaster of life. And so I, early on, I was definitely a freedom seeker and I'm the youngest of five. And I saw my, you know, siblings climbing the corporate ladder. And I thought if I'm going to do that, which I thought I, I assumed I was going to after getting a business degree in college, I assumed I'd end up in some kind of corporate job because that was kind of the path that was being followed in the Northeast. Um, I ended up deciding to take advantage of a couple years after college and living in Barcelona for two years and kayaking the coast of Mexico for a month and living like a hobo on $900 a month and <laughs> running out of cash every month and always having enough money for wine. But um, that's another story. And uh, anyway, I don't, I had an adventurous spirit from an early age and then I, I lost myself, you know, and, and that's all it is, is that we get carried away. Uh, on this journey of adulting and following the path and getting the good job. And, and if you go hundred percent commission and you fail miserably like me, then you become desperate. And I always say to my coaching students that I think there's, there's two things that can, can affect change. You know, desperation is one, you can wait till you're desperate and then say, okay, it's now or never, you know, or decisiveness, which is to look at someone doing something that you want or you want to experience, and then saying, I'm going to decide to do that too. So I always tell my coaching clients, like, finish this sentence. I wish I could dot, dot, dot. It would be amazing to dot, dot, dot. And then ask yourself, what's the next word that comes to mind? If I, if you had a, a wish, what would you think is the next word that comes to mind? I wish I could, but. But, yeah. And the but gets in the way. Yeah. And the but is a story. Mm-hmm. A belief that came from you thinking something over and over again until it became a fact in your world. And it's an excuse. So change, I wish I could, or it would be amazing to, to I've decided to. Change, I can't, or I could never, to how can I? Mm-hmm. And awaken the creative spirit within you, and you'll be surprised by what ideas show up. People are always there for you when you need them. So it's unusual to see somebody really, truly fail to the point of like, you know, going out of business. It's more just like, it's more up in our heads. Um, So I don't know. I just, I've been on a journey, I guess, from an early age of like, 
life is short and it should be fun. And I don't need to wait to have fun someday in the future or in the right. And if things feel heavy and I feel worried and afraid, which is part of being human, and I do at times, I can just work with that and say, okay, well, it's not my first time being scared. I've taken risks before and I'm still here. I've failed a lot and I'm still here. So it kind of becomes a game, you know, can you just experiment a little bit with this game of life and have a little more fun, lighten up a little bit, like table your agenda for the day, table what you need for the day. How would you like to live? How would you like to feel? Maybe you seek that first and you might be surprised by what happens with the business. It seems to grow as a byproduct of you following the light and following the joy, but it's not easy to do that. It takes work. Like it's almost with my coaching students, like it's harder work to do this piece, the inside out. And I tell them, I'm like, you can go to sales trainings. You can be told how many calls to make and how many notes to write and how many people to see. You can take a course on how to write a book and it gives you the agenda and what to do. And if you're not in the mood, it's not because you don't know how. It's because there's something going on inside. So we have to come from the inside out. Hmm. Yeah, I just uh, recently heard, uh, I don't even know who Jason Isbell is. He's a singer songwriter. Um, I've met him. I've yeah. hung out with okay. him. Okay, yeah. Anyway, uh, was, well, I was just listening to, a, I, I had seen him play a few months ago and then I, I heard a podcast and he was talking about, you know, during COVID how, you know, making things and being creative is, is always been a luxury. And it, when you realize that it kind of takes the weight off of it. It's, it's this fun thing. It's this joyful thing. It's not this, like, this is necessarily curing cancer or, um, and I've heard, I heard you say that in a couple of different ways, you know, even the businesses we're building is as important as they are. They're not everything. You know, you don't want to lose yourself in the middle of that or lose your family or lose, lose the things that really matter to you the most. Because I think that's what happens is you put so much weight on it, so much seriousness on it, so much. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we're flipping about it. But, you know, if you're doing brain surgery, obviously you want to do a good job. But uh, but you lose that fun. And I, and I remember I was talking to a, a writer many years ago. He's a famous author and he's written, you know, hundreds of books. It's just crazy. But I was like, how are you so prolific? And he said it was because he learned how to find the joy of writing. It's mm. not that serious. Like it's not, if it, if it sells great, if it doesn't, it's fine. But he'd always tap into that nine-year-old that this is why I wrote because it's so much fun and I enjoy it and I want to enjoy it the rest of my life. And he's, you know, he's in his seventies now and still just cranking out books. And it's because he's just like, he just keep, keeps it in perspective. You know, nobody's going to die if they don't read my book or if they read my book or, you know, the, you know, uh, literature police are going to knock on the door and say, you know, what have you done? And you're, a, you're a fool and you're a phony. It's like, that's, but that's what we get in our heads, right? It's like, people are going to know I'm not good at this and I'm a phony and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm incompetent and somebody's going to throw me in jail for it. Um, but losing the joy, losing the, the, the joy of life and losing, you know, kind of what's underneath why we even do what we do. Well, that's uh, what you just said it right there. Why do we do what we do? And that can create an incredible block for people because if you're writing a book and you think to yourself, well, I have to do this because and it feels like a chore, but there's something about the outcome of the chore that excites you. There's something you're after and it might just be the feeling of accomplishment. It might be a feeling of pride or, you know, whatever, but you're seeking something. Mm-hmm. And so we have to redefine what are we doing why are you doing it? Is it because you want to help somebody? You think your message could help somebody today? Because if you think your message can help somebody today, then shame on you for playing small, like have some fun with it and get it out there. Who cares? I like to tell myself nobody's watching anyway. <laughs> That's how I rip the bandaid off. Mm-hmm. If you look at my social media on Instagram, it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of silly. I, I'm just, it's very unscripted and I'm not, I'm not wearing 
professional clothing or anything, I, if I feel inspired to say something, I remind myself that it doesn't matter if I look good. It doesn't matter if I have makeup on, if I did my hair, all that really matters is if this can help one person, then shame on me for playing small. And it just takes one person to say, I needed to hear that today. Mm. And when they say that, it lights me up. It turns my light on. It ignites mm. the flame within me to want to share that flame with others. And if we make that our mission, it's just to help one person today or to help every person you meet, regardless of what you get paid to do. The day can become a curious adventure. Mm. Who am I going to bump into today? Who am I going to meet? How am I going to find out how to help them? And mm. it's, yeah, I don't know. It's the unbecoming, unbecoming yeah. stressed and rushed and overwhelmed and overworked and overconnected and overcommitted and all the things. And then yeah. being willing to be discerning about what really matters. That's that's a hard yeah. thing too. Yeah, no. And I, I think, I mean, I love this because I, I think what you're you're tapping into is just the authenticity of like, when, when people see too much perfection, it's actually like the films and the books and the things that we're drawn to. We don't like perfect characters. We like flawed, messy people. Why? Because we are, we all are like, that's, that's, that's relatable. Like Walter, when you see Walter White. Yeah. It's like, you know, the anti-hero, right. It's like, you know, he, he, it's like the, like in a weird way. I mean, I, I have to admit, I am, I was drawn to that show for that reason, because there is this like weird, uh, I'm doing this for the good of my family. I mean, you find out later, it's not, I mean, sorry if there's any spoilers, if you haven't watched it by now, it's your own fault, but, um, but you know, in Breaking Bad, it's like, yeah, he he has cancer and he wants to do good for his family, and he's just this biology teacher, or chemistry teacher, and and yet he finds himself in these dark places. But you realize, like, that's kind of the yin and the yang of all of us. Like, I want to do good, but there's this dark part of me too, and I and I'm flawed and I'm broken, and I do things for I have motivations that aren't aren't, aren't always pure, and, and they're not always for the good of other people, right? Um, but we're drawn to that. Like when you can get on Instagram and just be like, Hey, here I am, no makeup, whatever, you know, hopefully this will encourage you. But if you're too done up or you're too, like the lighting's just perfect. You're just like, that's not relatable because most days that's not how we are. <laughs> you know, that's not yeah. how we move around the world. It's, I mean, that's what people don't want to see is when someone's making a book or writing a book or building a company, it's all the messy stuff behind all the failure, all the sleepless nights. Nobody's promoting that. They're, they're just saying, here's my, here's the outcome. Here's the business. Here's the money. Here's the stuff. Here's the, but you don't think about the band who was in a bar, you know, playing these crappy bars for 10 years, you know, like the Beatles, you know, playing 300 shows a, a year to, to hone their craft. You know, all you see is all the albums and all the fame and all the stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. I think it's, it's like giving people permission to, to just be, and just be flawed and be, don't have all the answers. And, and, and yet that's a, a very free place to live um, as opposed to, I always have to put on this front. I always have to look competent. I always have to, I think you said earlier, you know, have the right suit to not look sweaty and, you know, like sit at the right table and have the right desk and the right, you know, uh, I don't know, letterhead or whatever it is. Um, that's probably an outdated reference. People don't even know what that is, but um, uh, the right social media account or whatever. Um but no, I love this. Um, one other thing I, I wanted to just chase a little uh, a trail. I'll, I'll be sensitive to our time, but uh, I, I like we talked about the truth about success and kind of success more as a feeling or um, you even talked about, you know, d- we all have to kind of define it for ourselves. Um, and, and I just find, I find writers, creative people, entrepreneurs kind of d- defining success in only one way. And it typically is money, right? It's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's sales, it's money, it's all external material. Um, but but dig a little, little further into that. Just the idea of success as a feeling, defining what that is. Like, how do you how do you help people even when you're like they're you're coaching them, encouraging them? Like, 
Um, what are the th- the categories we should be thinking about? That is there another way to to redefine it that really gives us kind of that you know makes the lights come on, if you will. Well, I see the separation that I talked about before of the two personas: the person you are inside, the things that light you up, the things that stress you out, what keeps you up at three o'clock in the morning when you wake up in the middle of the night, and and then what you do for a living. And I try to help my clients table their need and their agenda for a moment, because when you're in that place, you're in lack, you're in scarcity, you're in fear, you're in worry. Am I going to make it? Am I going to make enough money? Like all this stuff. Right. And we try to activate from this emptiness and it, it just always feels like you're swimming upstream. So I'm like, okay, if you needed nothing, if you needed nothing, if you had millions of dollars and you needed nothing, how would you spend your day? How would you spend your time? And then I let them tell me, and then I encourage them to build a business leveraging that life. So the I heard one time in a, in a great book, and it's it's got a really bad expletive in the in the title, so I won't say it here on the show. But um, what's Gary John Bishop? I think is the uh, author. Anyway, it's an awesome book, and um, he talks about your business being like a whale in the bathtub, your work being like a whale in the bathtub, and your life is just squished in around the edges. And so I'm trying to help people realize that when you put your life, your passion, your enthusiasm, your fun, joy, connection, impact, contribution as the whale in the bathtub, the business takes care of itself. And when we're in fear, we think that the best thing we can do is react and respond to everything that beeps on our phone or comes in or alerts us the moment it happens, because God forbid we miss something or we're scrolling or we're checking and we're, you know, how many people roll, wake up in the morning and before their feet have hit the ground, they're already in their inbox and in their text messages and in the rabbit hole of social media, you know, what's happening there. You're allowing your light to be extinguished because you're allowing your energy, emotion, and attention to be hijacked by the external world before your feet have even hit the ground. How are you expected to be a bright light when you've just allowed that to happen? And you're checking at red lights and checking in line for coffee and checking while you're having a conversation with somebody and checking while you're watching TV with your partner. Like we're, it's insane. So my whole thing is that if you needed nothing, how would you show up today? How would you want to feel? What would it feel like to need nothing? Can we put that as the whale in the bathtub? Can we make that the central focus of our day? And when you do that, you actually wake up to opportunities to be of value to people that you would have missed otherwise. And the best way I can describe this is like, let's say Ryan is a is a past client of mine and the sales trainer is telling me I have to keep in touch with my past clients. And so I know what I should do. And I'm shooting all over myself. I should do this. They say I should do that. I'm shooting all over myself. And I'm like, I know what I should do. What should I do? What could I do? How am I going to grow my business? And then I think I should call Ryan. I haven't talked to him. And then I I call you and I check the box. But I take this action out of fear, out of my own lack and scarcity. So when I call you, you tell me what's going on with you. I don't even hear it because I'm in my own head. But you know where Ryan is? Ryan's in his own head. Ryan, when he wakes up in the morning or at three o'clock in the morning, which happens from time to time with all of us, I'm sure at some point, he's not thinking, I wonder what my realtor or financial planner or my mortgage lender is worried about right now. He's thinking about what he's worried about. He's he's thinking about what's what what's what his hopes and dreams are or what his fears are. And so we're all walking around as human beings caught up in our own heads. And what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not, you can't take it away. You can't take away the insanity of the chatter in your brain. You really just can't. It's part of our, it's part of the deal. 
So just accept it's going to happen all the time. You're always going to be freaking out, worried, stressing, wondering what somebody thinks about you. Like, okay, that doesn't make you special. It just makes you human. So for a minute, if you could table that and say, what if I just want to have a good time today? Then when I call Ryan, I'll be more in tune to him. I can peel back the layers of the onion of what's going on with you. And when I'm paying attention to you, I can be of value. I can be present. And when I do that, I can ignite the flame within you. You feel better. And usually what happens on a phone call like that is that somebody will say something like Ryan might say, man, it really made my day to get that call from you today. And like, it was so good to hear your voice. It's always good to catch up with you. And so hearing that would then light me up, right? Which would allow me to be more vibrant the next time I make a, a connection or a contact or I bump into somebody or maybe it pours into my writing because I'm more vibrant. I'm just feeling more alive. And people think like, oh, that sounds like easy for other people. Like maybe she's extroverted or maybe she's really social or maybe whatever. It's like, no, it's not easy. I have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life right now that is extremely stressful. So in order for me to show up and share my light with, with you or with the other meetings I had today, I have to do the work. I have to notice when my light is out. And before I go and try to check boxes or check email or check social media and dim my light further, I have to put the oxygen mask on and turn my light on first. And that's honestly, it's as, as hard as it is easy. Like people don't want to do that. Nobody wants to slow down and check in. But when you do, when you practice the pause, you find access to that flame and you don't have to dig so deep to find the spark within. You can bring that electricity to the surface and you can just share it and you can just go and have a good time. So just ask yourself, if I needed nothing, how would I live? And then leverage that vision. Do that. Go biking, go hiking, go eat sushi, go do whatever it is that lights your soul on fire and do it with other people and have fun doing it. And you might just be surprised that your creativity unlocks, your new ideas come to you. Everything happens there, which for me is like in nature, skiing. I mean, I ski almost every day when snow is good. So Hmm. that's, you know, but that is the wheel in the bathtub. Must be nice, Aaron. Geez, you know, just to be able to ski every day. You said that earlier. Nice. That's, that's one of those hang up things. It must be nice to go skiing. What uh, am I allowed to ask? What part of uh, Colorado you're living in? Yeah, Winter Park. Oh yeah, nice. It's a nice area. I love yeah. it. We lived in uh, Colorado Springs for a few years. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, we love it. It's a great place to raise kids. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I really love what you're saying. Uh, and it made me think of, um, I have an obsession with the show succession, and I don't know if you've seen it at all, but um, this this family is just it's about this, you know, wealthy kind of, it's kind of made up, but it is made up, but it's a, a wealthy media family, mogul family. And all the kids are, you know, going to be the successors to the dad in this company. It's very, has a very like Donald Trump kind of dad figure. Uh, you can take that how you want, but, um, but he, he's just, he's a monster. Um, but the, the reality is the kids just have not done the inner work to realize, like to really lead something or to be part of something. They're just all a mess, you know? And I, I just, I think of that show as just a meditation on, Put, I love what you say, like putting on the, um, as I say, gas mask. That's not the gas mask. The oxygen Put on mask. The, yeah, that, that, that have different <laughs> results. Kill you, Ryan. Yeah, right. That's the opposite. Just kill yourself. No, uh, the oxygen first. And I, I've preached that for years just in leadership. It's like you got to put on, you know, the air, the oxygen, the life first. If you want to take people where, you know, you can't take people where you haven't been. Um, yeah. And you're leading someone or you're coaching someone or you're helping someone or whatever it is. Um, but that's so important, you know, that just that reality of you don't realize how connected they are 
our creativity, our leadership, our business, everything is it's it's woven together. Like if your marriage is falling apart, it's really difficult to do your work. It's really difficult to lead people. It's really difficult to coach people, right? We can put on the happy face and we can do all that, but like if our kids are a mess or our, our health's a mess or whatever, it, it's just really difficult, right? And um, and so I love it. I appreciate you saying that because I think you're you're getting in some some really deep stuff, which I really I, I think it's kind of like the soul work, the inner work, the um, you know, you want to build something and create something. It, it doesn't start with building and creating something or the external. It starts with from within. Like I always say, it's an inside job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate you you bringing these these to light. Um, well, Aaron, this has been fantastic, and um, and I know you have a lot going on, so I want to be sensitive of your time. And uh, so what uh, what do you have? Kind of what's next? I know there's been some some changes over the last couple of years, and I know you got the podcast going and wrote a book and all this, but yeah, what's kind of like the next, what's the next thing you're, you're excited about or paying attention to, or, um, and then where can people connect with you and, and take next steps with you and get into your orbit? Yeah. So I am really excited. I'm, I have an online course called balanced growth, which leads people through a very specific and scientific process of reflection and vision and goal setting that leads to an action plan and time management strategies to create the results that you dream of in your life more quickly and more easily. And I, I just love sharing it with as many people as possible because ultimately like these miracles, that's what it feels like, like fear and then action anyway. And then Holy cow on the other side of the the action, like nothing fell apart. Everything just keeps getting more awesome. And if I can help more people then I'm on a mission, I am on a mission to like create a wildfire of this energy because I believe it's the fundamental to creating true joy in life. And that, business will always take care of itself. Business and financial will always follow. So yes, it's strategic and yes, it's business planning, but it's really more lifestyle design. I So I teach that workshop live in Colorado in the fourth quarter, but I ended up putting it into an online course because I just want to be able to reach more people. So that's just a few hundred dollars on the website, pursuingfreedom.com. And then um, I do some one-on-one coaching and group coaching, but um, I'm going to continue to create some um, lower investment options for people to get to get access. There's tons of free resources on my website, on the resources page, downloadable tools and masterclasses and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, as, as many people as I can help, if I, if I can help my light ignite the flame in others, then that's what I want to do because I want them to go out and ignite the flame in others. And if the whole world was having more fun and living their best lives, like, wouldn't it be a great place to be? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your story the ups and the downs. Uh, thanks for just blasting us with some deep, profound wisdom and mm-hmm. helping us reflect just kind of on the deeper parts of who we are. Cause I think this is so relevant to just, you know, those that are part of our community, you know, writing things, building things, starting things. Uh, it's that, that inside job work. And I, I really appreciate you and all the resources you're, you're creating. And, uh, so I will put that all in the show notes so you can go find Aaron and get in her world and in her orbit. And I know she wants to serve any way she can. So thanks Aaron for coming on the show. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you. Have a great day. My pleasure. Sweaty, trying to figure it out. Uh, loved it. Loved her, the, just the ins- inspiration behind this story and how she just kept going. And uh, and I know for, for a lot of us that are listening, the things we are paying attention to, there, there's something in us that needs to get out. There's something we want to build or make or start or end, maybe. Um but it's never too late. And so that's my encouragement to you that paying attention is our proper and endless work. And 
as we pay attention to ourselves and, and to things going on around us, we realize there are some things that we want to get going and build. Um, age doesn't matter. Background doesn't matter. Uh, today is the best day to start. So thank you, Erin Bradley, for coming on the show. Go check out her website. It'll be in the show notes. And just as I, I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to support this show, if you'd like to support my work, if you'd like to support the writing and the newsletter and just all the things we're, we're doing, uh, we have a, uh, we'll be having a paid subscription. It's a few bucks a month and I'll give you some behind the scenes access and some Zoom calls and some other things to help you get on the track uh, of whatever you're making or whatever you're doing, kind of help you along any way I can. So hopefully it'll, it'll be something worth your value. You can check that out. I'll be looking for that soon. Also, if you could leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast and, and tell other people about the show, other people's other people about the show, uh, it does help us get the, the word out. And so if you've enjoyed this, please share an honest review, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your, even your enemies. Uh, anyway, uh, hope you're all well. And uh, before I go, this is Ryan J. Pelton signing off. Go make some great art with your life. And I will talk to you real, real soon. Thank you.